Miracy. I think a big part of that is actually showing up in the way that we do and, you know, it'd be the truth of who we are, you know, in each moment. Then the universe goes, awesome, here you go, have all the good stuff that goes with that. Hello, and welcome to Consciousness Explored, where we delve into the mysteries of the human experience and the nature of consciousness. I'm your host, Melissa Deal, and I look forward to continuing our journey today. Each episode of Consciousness Explored features engaging and thought-provoking conversation with leading experts in psychology, neuroscience, spirituality, and philosophy. We'll be diving deep into topics like the relationship between the brain and consciousness, ways to expand our consciousness, and the impact that our understanding of consciousness has on the quality of our daily lives. On today's episode, we have Megan Selby and Olivier Maxted, gifted musicians and sound healers. Sound healing might seem to some as a relatively new phenomenon that is rapidly gaining in popularity, but it's actually an ancient and varied healing modality that dates back at least 8,000 years, according to some Sanskrit texts. And the practice of sound healing has been a part of many cultures handed down generation after generation. Albert Einstein is quoted as saying, We are slowed down sound and light waves, a walking bundle of frequencies tuned to the cosmos. Our guests today beautifully demonstrate this through their business, Pure Love Frequency. They have worked with people all over the world, guiding them to ever-expanding consciousness through the healing power of song and sound. We'll be back in a moment with Megan and Olivier's stories. Sound has been such a big part of my own awakening experience in the way that it's allowed me to get to places that I didn't get to just through meditation. There was something really key in the way that sound has always been a part of my life and the way that it came in, especially with the didgeridoo. So when I was growing up, I lived in Wales, where I was born, and also would go to France every summer to be with my family. And and there was always music around, and I loved how music brought people together, you know, how I loved how if there was songs being sung, people would join in and we'd all feel just so connected in the song. My father brought us up going to church, and I loved that connection. I just felt really loved. My parents were very loving, and some of my family were spiritual, some weren't. It didn't matter, you know, I was just loved for who I was. And I think that was a really key, like bedrock for me, knowing that I was always loved. And knowing that, I think anything was allowed, you know, it was just like, okay, I know I'm loved, so what else is there in the world, you know? Knowing he was loved, supported, and free to find his own way, Olivier set off to university and began exploring new cultures and beliefs, such as Taoism and Buddhism. He became intrigued with a particular concept that Buddhism was actually the science of the mind, and thus began exploring consciousness through the lens of these ancient teachings. Olivier remained open and eager for more. He had always wanted to visit Australia, where his uncle lived. At the age of 26, he did just that, and everything he knew about the world shifted. The energy of the land was so strong, and the ocean was so powerful, like, oh, wow. Like, I just had to just, like, really surrender to the experience of 
just being in this incredible place. And I was teaching high school at the time, languages, and living in this little hippie village in the hills where my uncle lives, a place called Nimbin. I followed a meditation practice for a while because that really called to me. And then a friend of mine said, hey, you should go and see this Reiki master who lives in the rainforest. And he did a, a treatment for me and I just felt so light. I felt like all this bag of troubles that I didn't even know I'd been dragging behind me was just cleared and released. Being a high school teacher, there's a lot of stuff going on all the time. So I started having Reiki every month and very quickly, I just loved the energy of it. And <laughs> started bringing it into my classes, noticed how much better the kids were. And it was just like the world was opening up like in this whole other way, you know. Things just really started expanding. And after a couple of years, a friend of mine sold me a didgeridoo. He said, you need one of these. And he showed me how to do the circular breathing. You know, I said to him, but isn't circular breathing really difficult? Won't it take me a long time? And he said, well, if you think it's difficult, it will. If you think it's easy, you'll pick it up real quick. I was like, okay, well, it's easy then. And just like three evenings sat in my car so I wouldn't annoy anyone, like just trying to make these sounds down the ditch. And all of a sudden it came. And once I had the circular breathing, I was off. And I knew that that was something that was always going to be part of my life. Like everything started to shift. I'd left my teaching job after like 20 odd years of teaching. And I thought I was going to get into like doing Reiki healing. And I did for a while. And then I had to go back to the UK. My dad was having a heart operation. And while I was back in the UK, um, a couple of people I contacted about doing some Reiki together. Turns out they were doing gong baths. And after they heard me play the didgeridoo, they were like, oh man, you have to come and play dig at, at our gong baths. People are going to love it. And there was this moment of realization. I'm in this room with 30 people all receiving healing through me playing this didgeridoo. It's like, oh wow, like now, instead of just being one-on-one, -on -one, now there's a whole room full of people receiving this beautiful transmission of loving healing energy. Oh, this is what I have to do for the rest of my life. Olivier continued to play his didgeridoo at sound healing events. At one such event, he met a woman named Megan. As she began singing, Olivier thought he must be standing next to an angel bringing through the sounds of heaven. Things unfolded quickly and beautifully between Megan and Olivier, and they both knew they'd found a partner in music and in life. As you're about to hear, Olivier was right about his assessment of Megan's heavenly gift. I feel like the song has always been in me. I feel like the connection's always been there. There are a couple of things that I used to do as a child. One was when I was really tiny, I'd go and like squeeze in between my mum and dad in bed. And I remember singing just really quietly, really high pitch, and I'd have just tears streaming down my face. And it just felt so good. And I remember there were years through my teenage years that I was in a very sort of deep, vortex or something like it just felt very deep and very unresolved and like I couldn't really resolve it with anyone it was just like within me like I couldn't unravel it the sea has always been massively important to me um, I think it always always will be I feel like part of me is kind of like stops existing when I'm away from the sea I, I remember going out to these particular area on the Atlantic Ocean and just saying like I'm here, like I'm committed to the truth. I'm committed to just living the truth. Just like show me. And I just remember like feeling it like it's on my bones and making the decision to really listen to my intuition and like be completely dedicated to my intuition because anything else just got me 
confused and muddled and I didn't know like what direction was what if I wasn't like really attuned to that navigation system. So I think that kind of carried on, like that kind of feeling of that depth that couldn't be met, like I didn't find a meeting place for it for a long time. And then there was a point where something just clicked, like over a weekend I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to this five-day retreat with a teacher called Chloe Goodchild, who is the founder of The Naked Voice in the UK. And there was a chanting session and I went and it was just like, oh my God, I know this, this is my home. Like I was just absolutely like just incomplete surrendered delight like it was just the best thing so I started going to these retreats with Chloe and it kind of all came together for me because I had been expressing all this stuff through my voice and I went and delved deeply into Chloe's work which has really gave me these strong foundations through traditional practices that I still do that's still a core practice of mine that I just it just feels so good when I go into it and also mantra, singing mantra, Sanskrit, and having that scaffolding to just completely let the freedom flow in whatever way it wanted to. And I have this space that's safe now to create and just let go. And it took me into a really deep space of listening, such deep listening. And that's really laid the foundation for everything that I do now, especially with the work that I do whether it's with individuals or many people, like that deep listening creates the presence for everything that happens with the sound. We're back in our virtual studio with Megan and Olivier. We teased you a little bit with Megan's gorgeous music. And just to let you know, we're going to play it in its entirety at the end of the episode. So be sure to stick around for that. Now, Megan and Olivier. Thank you guys so much for sharing your amazing stories. What I'd like to do now is go a little deeper and explore your thoughts on how music, sound, and consciousness intersect. I'd also like to talk about your new business, Pure Love Frequency. So let's start there. Megan? Well, Pure Love Frequency, it's kind of born, was it earlier this year? End of last year. Prior to that, we were under that the auspices of the Sound Bath Healing, which is what I'd begun back in Brisbane in 2012. And in that, like, it was amazing for Ollie and it was amazing for us, like, as a vehicle for us to begin our journey. But that, like, it was evident for me that it was never the vehicle that was going to, like, really take us all the way. And so Pure Love Frequency was born really from us just, like, staying open and knowing that there would be change coming. Yeah, it's really opened up new opportunities and um, brought a whole lot of new people in. Like, people really resonate with this energy of Pure Love Frequencies. And I think for us as well, Pure Love Frequency just allows us to be completely in our innocence, in our playfulness, in our sensuality, like all of it, it's all Pure Love Frequency. And whether it's the sound or whether it's mentoring or whether it's like a collaboration with a dancer, like whatever it is, it's all Pure Love Frequency. Yeah. And I think it's very much a reflection of our individual journeys and our, our journeys together as well. And that, you know, when we got together the first few years, there was a lot of healing. Like there was a lot of stuff to like just to to love and, and bring back to wholeness. And sort of more and more that, that let go and we came into more and more of a space of being able to expand then. And it showed up in the you know, places that we, we were living. Like at first in Cornwall <laughs> where we lived, it was a it was a converted pigsty. It was tiny. Little. There was a hilarious moment where Ollie turned up. We had a car between us, wasn't it? And it was my old... Nissan Micra, which is highly. Ollie's six foot four, and I did. 
I was looking out the window at him one day and I was just like, this is ridiculous. What are we doing? We're crammed in this tiny house. There's this really tall guy like unfolding himself to get out of his car. And we need to spread our wings. Like yeah. we need to spread our wings. Yeah. And so things are <laughs> so expanded. We, we moved to a new house on the yeah. south coast of Cornwall. Beautiful house overlooking the sea. We could see the, the sunrise over the ocean from our bedroom. It was really, really beautiful. Our work started to expand to doing longer journeys with people for three or six or nine months, taking them on you know much greater journeys of expansion. And yeah, we felt the same in our work, you know, and then starting to go online with the, the pandemic and everything started to reach more people then. You know, we were in a consciousness early on of healing and letting go and growing together. And I think the moment we realized that we didn't have to keep doing that, everything changed. And yes, there's healing that happens, but we've shifted into the expansion and actually like really allowing, like being so conscious of our energy individually and together and just knowing that we just want to keep expanding and keep raising our vibration. It's not about going in and solving the stuff and healing the stuff. It was like, oh, we can come out of that and that stuff just gets healed as we go. And it's like, this is amazing. To be able to do this work without getting drained. Yes, definitely. I often say I would take five minutes of clarity over a lifetime of anything else just because as soon as you have that clarity, even just for a moment, you see that everything isn't something to be fixed. You can let go and drop into the stream and just flow and leave behind what gets caught on the branches along the way and the rocks and you can flow with it. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And I love that. I agree, Melissa. And I think a big part of that is actually you know, showing up in the way that we do like to be of service, but actually like to be true to ourselves, like to show, show up in presence. Yeah, I like that. Mm. And, you know, it'd be the truth of who we are, you know, in each moment. Then the universe goes, awesome. Here you go. <laughs> Have all the good stuff that goes with that. Yeah. What we're learning more and more is like you say, clarity, have that clarity, feel into the field, like feel what's there for us and what we want to create and then just go and have fun. Like the, the amount of times where we've just gone and like just gone and laying on the beach or gone and done something really exciting that we've really enjoyed and then we've come back and there's like, oh, we've had some people sign up or there's a new opportunity or some money's coming from a client or and it's just like those are the times. So it's like we're having this practical experiment and understanding of how this thing works like when you become relaxed you like a surrendered place like we're receptive ah when we're receptive we can receive imagine that and going back to what you said about authenticity i believe authenticity is service that is being of service you know running around trying to drag people to do things to change is not serving you or anyone it's draining like you said but your authenticity is an example and an inspiration. And as that unfolds for you, it shows others what is possible, what this life really is, and who we really are as human souls here at this time. So we're going to dig in a little deeper about exploring how music, sound, and consciousness intersect. And I heard Olivier say something once, and I can't remember where I heard him say it, but you said consciousness moves energy into form. And so I want to kind of switch a little bit and talk about what consciousness is to you and explain what you mean by that for the listeners. So 
consciousness moves energy into form, which is that we are so powerful as creators. And it goes back to an understanding that I have of quantum physics. So my brother's an astrophysicist. I've always been into quantum mechanics as well, because I want to understand about the universe. And there's this thing called the double slit experiment, where yeah, we're people looking at electrons. And until the observer comes along, when the electrons are just in their pure state, they can be either a particle or a wave. It's the moment an observer comes along and looks for them that they get defined and they become either the particle or the wave. Now, key to this is understanding that this is not just about tiny particles that we can't even see. This is the key to life, is that the way that we view things is how we create. So if we decide that the world is, is a difficult place, again, like going back to playing the dig, if I'd have decided that circular breathing was difficult, it would have taken me a long time. But I decided it was easy and it came real quick. So, you know, if we decide that we are abundant beings and that everything that's unfolding around us is happening for us, and, you know, when we see the world from that point of view, it's so different to someone who, you know, is maybe bitter about the world or pessimistic or always expects the worst. We create our reality. You know, we are so powerful. And we've seen that show up in our lives in such amazing ways. And I want everyone else to experience this freedom and this abundance and this joy. Wonderful. How would you define consciousness? What would you say consciousness is? I think consciousness is. Like, it's just, it's, everything that we see is an expression of consciousness. And beyond that, consciousness is love. You know, love is the foundation of this universe. There's an amazing experiment that was done in the 80s by three incredible people. One was an aeronautics engineer and a commercial pilot, and two of his friends who were involved in this inner consciousness experiment. What could they bring through higher consciousness beings and their channelings? And they recorded over a hundred channelings over about two years, and they managed to bring through these messages about the nature of reality, the nature of the universe. Is this Ra, the law of one? That's it. That's it. So the nature of all of reality is love and light. Love is the fundamental, like it's the fundamental energy of everything that we see, everything that, that has been created started with love. And then that love, it created light. And what's light is photons. It's like these little pockets of energy. The love imprints an energy onto the photons so that they move in a certain way. And then from there, they become denser and denser and denser. And then they create this physical reality that we perceive with our senses. Now, this is just mind-blowing to me that everything around us that we think is so solid and permanent, it's just made of light, light influenced by love. Like, oh my word, every person that you see is infinite love, like made manifest. Like, that's just mind-blowing. So that's my understanding of the universe. Reading the Law of One really helped crystallize it and helped me understand things at an even deeper level. So that, my, that satisfied my cognitive mind and my heart. You know, as I'm reading it, my heart expands and I just find myself just able to be even more loving to myself and even more loving to those around me. And it really made me want to go to Egypt. That's fabulous because that's actually my next question for you. I know how passionate you've been about Egypt, but then you actually got to go to the Great Pyramids. And not only that, you got to play your didgeridoo in the King's Chamber. And so I want you just to let us know about that experience. 
Gosh, I was really quite surprised. So I was on a 10-day pilgrimage through Egypt with a beautiful group of people. And every day of the trip through Egypt, we, you know, we're going to temples, we're cruising the Nile. And again, the, the dream had been to go and play didgeridoo in the king's chamber. The king's chamber is built for sound. And there's a coffer, there's a stone coffer that you can lie in. And it's tuned to A440. So if you knock it with something hard, it rings out. And in the law of one, they go into like how this chamber was used. So somebody who was very adept and high consciousness would take somebody into that chamber for them to realize the truth of who they are, essentially to have a, an awakening experience. So that was why the chamber was designed. And it's otherworldly in there. So we got in there on the last morning. It was a full moon in October. And I was one of the first ones in to the pyramid. And you, like it's quite restricted in there. And made my way up to the chamber. It's very humid. And people, have, our group started to come in. And I just stopped playing. Just stopped playing the ditch. And it felt really nice. But it wasn't like, oh, wow. You know what I mean? It was just like, this had been the whole impetus for the trip. And here I was doing it. And it felt good. But it was just like, ooh, there's more coming. And all of the group came into the chamber and then we started to take it in turns. People were getting into the coffer and as a group, we were chanting the Om just two or three times for people to receive the Om, the sacred syllable, and people getting out. Some people were quite affected and some people weren't. And I was one of the last ones to go in. And as I lay in that coffer and I could hear the Om around me, my consciousness expanded. My whole body levitated up. These Kundalini awakenings that just took me into this incredible place of bliss, my whole body moving, just bliss flowing up through my spine into my brain and then just out, like my awareness expanded out to the universe itself, you know, and I was just, oh, it was really, really quite an amazing experience. Something interesting that happened as well when Olivier actually played didgeridoo in the King's Chamber, he would have been in there at my time, like four or 5 a.m. I woke just naturally and I just had to get up and I just sat on the sofa and tuned in. And I sang at the same time that Olivier would have been playing, like the images and the journey that I went through, like just sitting on the sofa, connecting in with that the experience with Olivier being there physically was really quite incredible. I've also been attuned to Seishim Reiki, which is an Egyptian Reiki. And when I knew I was going to Egypt, it was like, oh, this Egyptian energy started to come through really strongly. Reiki is just, it's a really pure, clear energy and it's so powerful. Whenever I do attunements for people, whenever I, I bring that energy through, it's always had really profound effects for people. Wow. Well, it seems like Reiki is still a big part of what you do. So do you do that in your one-on-one? -on -one? Do you still do that? Yeah, it's very much evolved. We even call it pure love frequency Reiki now because it has that foundation of the original traditional Reiki. But there's so much more that comes through now. And, you know, for me, Reiki now seems to be it's a key to understanding the universe and living that. I did want to ask you, Megan, if you could explain what your view of consciousness is, how you define consciousness, and then also how that relates to the language that you bring in, the light language or star language that you channel. Yeah. As Olivier was talking and saying those words, light and love, and I was just feeling how there's so many words over time that become like words that everybody uses, but they're not really felt. And I just wanted to point to this for a moment because light and love can just sound like the thing that people say and doesn't really mean much. Yeah. 
And I just wanted to really bring the hugeness of what light and love truly are. And perhaps that feeds into the question of what consciousness is for me. Because I often, when I want to really feel what a word means, because, you know, every letter, every word, and then broken down every letter has a vibrational signature, has an effect on us. It's not just a mode of communication. It's just, it's so much deeper than that. It has roots and it has wings. It's kind of a nice way of putting it, perhaps. And so when I feel light, when I feel that word now, light, it's like I can feel these streams of light. And it's like I imagine myself as water and light infusing the water and reflecting off the water and actually having a real like imagination, visceral sense of light through me. And the same with love, like love, bringing it right down into my heart and into my being and not just like an out there word that I say and really feeling when I breathe and I drop into a resting place and a quiet listening place it feels very loving and it's like that's where I can access love and come from love and so for me consciousness is that all of us are emitting incredible vibrations all the time so it's starting to have an awareness of what we want to bring like what we want to inhabit for ourselves and we what, what we want to bring what we want to radiate into the world what we want to infuse the world with so if that is more joy more freedom more love more, you know, light, playfulness, innocence, purity, fun. That's all kind of the lightness. To have that sense, to actually feel it through my body and feel it through my energy and just be that. And I remember talking quite a few years ago now about I had this realization of something that I kind of termed the wildfire moment of where we we all have our habitual things, hey, and it's like whether it's triggers us into anger or sadness or isolation or whatever it is that are those sort of denser, not so desirable emotions that we've kind of come to think that we have to go through. But what I was realizing was that there's these wildfire moments where, for me anyway, if I was conscious, really conscious in that moment, like like that moment of clarity, then it would disperse and it would completely change my trajectory. Or I could completely give myself to the wildfire and within a few minutes and definitely within hours, the whole mountain would be stripped of trees <laughs> in whatever emotion that might have been. And it would invariably, that kind of wildfire affects other people. You know, it damages other people along the way. It burns down houses and all that sorts of things. But having that consciousness of like noticing those little moments, like that moment of frustration or that moment of like snapping, it's like, ah, oh, that's my signal to just breathe, come back in, actually experience, feel love as just pure breath, really. That's all it needs to be. And truly come back into my presence. And so I feel that consciousness is presence. I love it. That's really fantastic. Well, I'm going to ask each of you then, as we wrap up here, if there's one thing that you would like to leave listeners with, any piece of advice, anything that relates to what we've been talking here today, consciousness, sound, healing, all that good stuff. If you could say one thing to listeners, what would it be? I feel like the greatest gift that you can ever give is just really to be yourself, like really to truly just allow yourself to be yourself and allow your true nature to shine through. Because when you haven't got those filters on, everyone benefits absolutely everyone benefits 
And, you know, when we've got those filters on trying to fit in or do the right thing or, you know, get things done on schedule, then it kind of compresses everything and compresses to a point of there's got to be a combustion when things get compressed to a certain point. But if we actually allow ourselves more and more to just release those layers of who we maybe thought we were or who we maybe were told we were, and I suppose in my language, really allow the song of who we are to come forth. That's really all we need. That's really all we need to do just to be in our presence. And that just gives so much, brings so much. We are all perfect, amazing beings. However we look at whatever shape we are, whatever language we speak or whatever, and that is our greatest service to the Creator. The Creator wants to experience itself through us. So let's have the best time that we can. For some people, that means going on amazing holidays. Some people, that means being very loving to their family. Some people, that means cooking delicious food. Whatever it is that lights you up and you feel great about, do that. That's the greatest thing that you can bring to this planet. And realize the truth of who you are as love, as joy, as abundance, as happiness, as light. And be silly. (laughs) When things don't feel right, yeah. Just silliness just cures everything. (laughs) Exactly right. I'm so grateful to both of you. I thank you so much for coming on. I've had a wonderful, wonderful time. This has been amazing. I love you both. And can you tell us where people can reach you? What's the best way to find you guys and find out more about you, what you do? So you can find us at purelovefrequency.com. Okay, we will get that in the show notes. And again, love to you both. Thank you so much. Such a joy to talk to you today. Thank you so, so much. I've thought a lot about my interview with Megan and Olivier, and there are a few key concepts that really stood out to me. But before I get into them, I wanted to mention a fascinating book called Sound Medicine, How to Use the Ancient Science of Sound to Heal the Body and Mind by Kurith Chadri. MD. The author is a doctor, researcher, and practitioner of sound healing modalities. She shares her own journey along with the science and history of sound healing. It is a fascinating read, and I highly recommend it. Now let's move on. The first takeaway I had was about clarity. Olivier mentioned that the way we view things is the way we create. We don't often consider the important connection between our perception and clarity, but consciously wielding our perception is one of our most powerful tools. Megan spoke of allowing expansion as a way to bring healing and clarity, as opposed to draining our energy trying to clear old wounds and beliefs. Having experienced both, I would have to agree that healing through expansion is my preferred method as well. However, I would say that it is often an option better suited to those who have done a fair amount of base healing. With a stronger foundation of initial healing and awareness, you are more likely to be able to hear and trust your inner voice and follow your inspired ideas. Imagine that each day you sit in a cubicle with a bowl of soup and a butter knife with which to eat it. Everyone around you has the same setup. And though you all complain about it and you've tried a million different ways to make it work, it always ends up a frustrating mess. One day you're inspired to try to remove the walls of your cubicle. You've never seen anyone try this and you're nervous that it won't work and you'll probably be ridiculed for even trying. But you've done some healing work. You've gained a little self-confidence. So you decide to follow the inspiration. Lifting the walls of the cubicle, you reveal an expanded space. It's still a cubicle, but you can see immediately that in the newly revealed space sits a napkin and a spoon. Now you have new tools, new possibilities, and a bit more clarity. 
you also have an expanded awareness from this experience that perhaps things aren't always what they seem. You are not likely to spend years in therapy trying to rid yourself of the limiting beliefs you had around eating soup with a butter knife. You're far more likely to grab your new tools and see what you can do with them. As you practice gaining confidence in the reality of new expansive beliefs, the old ones do dissipate, and the clarity is priceless. The willingness to make daring moves and trust our inner guidance leads to the second thing that stood out to me. Megan and Olivier talked a lot about authenticity and knowing who you truly are. And that's a concept I think that we sometimes have a narrow view of. Often we think that being authentic means to boldly and unapologetically cling to whatever belief systems our egos are attached to, as though being authentic is to shout from the rooftops and proclaim, I am this or I am that, fill in the blank, whatever it is. Usually we fill it in with things completely exterior to our true core being. Rarely do we say, I am love and light, I am a worthy creator, I am an eternal soul, or I am a perfectly adorable fractal of consciousness. That's my favorite. I have found that leaving behind my attachments to labels and identities actually reveals a far more expansive, powerful, and loving true self. I've also found that self to be subtle and knowing, not brazen or combative. Speaking of ego attachments, I loved when Megan talked about wildfire moments. Most of us call them triggering moments. We go to great lengths to avoid our triggers and even greater lengths to coerce others into avoiding them. That has never worked for me as a long-term solution to painful emotions. And honestly, I've never seen it work for anyone else either. What if instead we embrace these wildfire moments as valuable data instead of vicious attacks? What if we turned our attention to ourselves when we are triggered instead of to those who pull the trigger? What if we appreciated the opportunity to hone our awareness, choose our own state of consciousness, know ourselves better, and stop the wildfire before it rages out of control or burns more deeply within us? Only we have the power to do that for ourselves. No one else can. If we avoid awareness of those things within us that need our loving attention, we cannot heal and release them. We alone have the power to squelch our own wildfires before they do further damage to us and to those we love. I am an incredibly sensitive person, so this is something I had to work on for quite a while, and I've helped others do the same, so I know it works. It's not easy at first, but it's probably the most healing and expansive work I've ever done. I invite all of you to consider the possibilities of healing through expansion. You could try it now. If you're in a place where you can sit back, relax, and close your eyes, breathe deep into your belly. Focus on your in-breath and out-breath, and notice the space in between. Allow the sound and song to fill your awareness as Megan and Olivier share their gift of pure love frequency.
Thank you for listening to Consciousness Explored. Consciousness Explored is a part of the Miracy FM Podcast Network. 
which also includes such shows as Soul Savvy Business and To Lead is Human. Cynthia Lamb produced this episode and Andrew Chapman assembled it. Our audio editor is Marvin Del Rosario. Danny Eaney is our executive producer. Special thanks to our guests, Megan and Olivier, for sharing their story, wisdom, and beautiful music with us today. Remember to check out their website, purelovefrequency.com. And last but not least, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow us and leave us a starred review. Your feedback helps us to improve the show and reach more listeners like you. Join me next time for more fascinating conversations as we continue to unravel the mysteries and nature of consciousness. Lovely. Thank you so much for that beautiful gift. Thank you. So welcome. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, okay, now I feel ready.